to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are four girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real-life zoo employees, and as always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations, and all thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind that we we try to keep this podcast (laughs) PG-13, so if you have younger listeners, you may want to review the content beforehand. Specifically for this episode, this (laughs) one may have some uh, nastier subjects, which may lead to some more foul language. Uh, So again, just please be advised. I'm Katie. I'm Kenzie. I'm Emily. And I'm Abby. So with that, let's talk about stuff. Well, I thought you were going to just go out and say it right there. Let's talk about... Oh, (laughs) let's talk about some shit. (laughs) All right, there you go. That's your warning, viewers. Well, I I figured we'd wait a second, but, you know, we can can go off Well, I just felt like that would have been a funny replacement for stuff. Okay, well, I'm sorry I wasn't thinking about it. (laughs) All right, so uh, we got a fan shout out? I'm doing my best here. I'm doing my best. Um, So, yeah, fan shout out. That goes to everybody who voted on our Instagram poll. I think that was the most engagement we've ever seen on Instagram. Besides, uh, the except tooth for debate. maybe the teeth thing. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But we had uh, almost 60 people vote in our Instagram poll, which was great. Um, we had you guys picking um, some of our next episodes. Spoiler alert, we're going to get to all of them. We're just going to do them in the order of the votes. So, first up, we're talking about animal poop. Um, animal yeah. poop, I think, received something like 20 votes out of the 55 or so. Um, so we're talking about poop this week. Poop. You're welcome. All right. Uh, Katie, let's yes. talk about some other things before we get oh, into yeah. all of that. Before we get into all the poop stuff, I do have uh, two conservation updates I found that were pretty sweet. Uh, first off, Kenzie, I think you'll be extremely interested. I am extremely pleased. The Hills Horseshoe Bat that was thought to be extinct for 40 years is back, baby. <gasps> oh, we're yeah! still here. You just can't find us because we're tiny, itty bitty little bats. But, oh my God, look at its. Yeah, I was okay. going to say, you got to see a okay. picture of these things. So they're called Hills Horseshoe Bats because they have like a horseshoe shaped sort of nose or. Yeah. Yeah. Very cute. Uh, very weird looking. I, I kind of love them a lot. But. Researchers were surveying surveying a dense cloud forest in Rwanda, and that is when they found oh, the bat. Look at uh, it. Yeah, it's it's real funny looking. They caught it, and they're like, you know, they're doing research, trying to tag certain species, and they were looking at it, and they were like, "This is not <laughs> the bats that we thought were here." <laughs> they were like, "This thing is Surprise. really weird looking," uh, and they had to literally go back to records at um in museums of the species uh in museum archives in europe to compare uh to the one that they caught because they had to verify that it in fact was a hill's horseshoe bat since it still you know they thought it was uh, extinct so they were like oh dang that's cool so wow that's really neat we love when they just pop right back up you're like ah gotcha <laughs> Uh, for the second piece of conservation news I have, uh, it's a really cool one. So uh, it's about uh, South Korea. Uh, their total land surface is not 
super large. So they were kind of realizing that they wanted to um, kind of create space for renewable energy projects. But instead of clearing what um, land they they had, uh, they actually have, okay, it says 92,000 solar panels in the shape of plum blossoms are now floating gently uh, on a southern reservoir in the country. It's actually really pretty. Like, they are just these little flower-shaped solar panels floating around. Uh, and the solar project, uh, it's a 17-mile-long reservoir, reservoir, is able to generate 41.5 megawatts, which is enough to provide power for 60,000 people, which is more wow. than the total population of the county. Wow. Oh, they are pretty. They are really pretty, yeah. So... It also has apparently become a big tourist destination as well. Yeah. Um, so well, yeah, also, now we're going. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> so it's also, you know, bringing uh, that, you know, economic tourist stuff in industry in there, which is nice. Can you imagine? And they get electricity, which is even greater. So, yeah. What if everyone started doing it like this? Like, that's way that makes way more sense to like oh, get people to put solar panels and things and get this. So pairing the PV solar panels to water sources like canals um, or reservoirs, it increases their efficiency by as much as 10% as the surrounding water helps them remain naturally cooler. Um, oh. it, they also apparently decrease hostile algae blooms. So I'm saying we need some of those bad boys in Florida. We need all of them in Florida. <laughs> It was about, um, yeah, it was just, like, that's so cool. Yeah, I, so that's cool. a great piece of news. That's really encouraging to see. Yeah, I love it. We Way can make science, right? Zoo news? Zoo news! We've got a Zoo lot. News. Um, so, because 2022 was like, hey, 2021, hold my beer, uh, there's a bird <laughs> flu outbreak. No. Yeah. Um, but a lot of zoos, um, including our facilities that we work at, are taking precautions to make sure the birds do stay safe. Um, so if you're at a zoo and you're mad the aviary is closed, which I know I would be very disappointed, understand yes. that they're just trying to do the best by their animals, which is the main goal. So Every day. Where are your flamingos? Buddy, I wish they were here. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> the birds have the flu in the wild. So our birds, yeah. we don't want them to get the flu. So they are now... In a place where the wild birds cannot reach them. Important. Um, zoo workers over in the Kiev Zoo um, have moved into the Kiev Zoo to help take care of some of the animals that could not be moved. There are many animals that were able to be moved to safety, but there are some that just weren't like elephants and things that they just can't get out. Um, and so some of the keepers, super dedicated, are literally staying overnight with their animals at the zoo in wartime. You gotta do what you gotta do. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't have to do this. Good for them. If you would like to help, donating to the European Association for Zoos and Aquariums or the EAZA can help the animals in the keepers. Um, I know a lot of Etsy shops are doing that right now. Uh, shout out to Crafted for Conservation, like the number four. Um, they make animal scrunchies and they're donating. just bought a scrunchie from them yesterday. I bought five more, you guys. It's a, it's, I don't have enough room on my scrunchie holders anymore. I bought a chimpanzee one oh, because, sorry. you know. 
I got some awesome ones. Oh, I love that. So, um, Jess, who shout out to Jess, I'm friends with her, is the shop owner and she does a really great job. Um, and she's donating, I believe, 50 cents per scrunchie sold to the European Association of Zoos and Aquariums. So, if you want to help donate and also get like a super cute scrunchie, they're super cute. I'm mm-hmm. wearing one right now, it has tapers on it. Nice. I love tapers. So that is some kind of bittersweet zoo news, but um, our hearts, of course, are still going out. I'm still trying to figure out how to get our money from Patreon so we can donate to um, save the children to help out with the efforts over in Kiev and all of Ukraine because our hearts are breaking for them. So no one should be forced to flee their home. No. For reasons like that. Absolutely not. No. Um, on the more positive note, uh, there's a baby quokka at the Australian Zoo. Oh, Ooh. it's so cute. It's so cute. I mean, I feel like people didn't realize that quokkas are also marsupials. And you know, they also have pouches. So there's just an itty bitty little quokka face smiling out of the pouch. So here's a pro super tip. cute pro tip. Anything that's a mammal in Australia, just assume <laughs> it's a, that it's a marsupial. Yeah, it's a good Because <laughs> it is, unless it's invasive. So. Yep. <laughs> or a platypus or an echidna, which... They are marsupials. They have pouches. They do? Yeah. Oh, duh. <laughs> oh, my God. They lay eggs, but then they also... Then the baby hatches, and they are kept in a pouch. They sure do. I was going to be like, no, like kangaroos. And I was like, wait, we're... Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not birds, okay? Leave me alone. Yeah, um, <laughs> So I'm going to let Emily take this one about the Columbus Zoo's porcupine puffer. Okay, so let me tell you about this. This is the cutest thing I have ever seen in my whole life. Um, I want you to know that I was driving home with David and I saw this and I like literally screamed in the car because, first of all, they have this adorable little porcupine puffer. See, I can't even get it out because I'm too excited. Um, His name is Dill Prickle. Oh, oh, it's a puffer fish. Yes, yes. I understand now. <laughs> it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. First of all, literally Google him. He's on my Facebook right now, but Google him, Dill Prickle. He's perfect. Um, yeah, don't Google so, Emily's Facebook. That's creepy. No, but if you're my friend, you can look on there. Um, anyway, so Dill Prickle lives at the Columbus Zoo, and he had some cataracts. And this is actually really common for porcupine puffers. Um, they have these huge little eyes, huge little eyes, huge eyes. Um, and they get cataracts. It's very common for them. But they did surgery to remove his cataracts in one of his little eyeballs. Um, and they said he did great. So they finally um, were trying to gauge, like, how he's doing post-surgery. Um, and they said they think his depth perception in that eye is not 100% what it was previous. Um, but it wasn't that way with the cataracts either. Um and then they basically said uh, he, like, still, like, lines up with his good eye to eat his food um, because he's like, um, this eye, something is weird. So he lines up with his good eye, and then he eats his food. But he's doing great. They love him. He's perfect. I love him. Dill Prickle, the best thing ever. It is the best name Just ever. the fact that his name is Dill Prickle. They know, knew what they right? were doing. Uh, yeah, so we love Dill Prickle. Um, and, of course, we can't have zoo news without having some porcupine news oh my gosh we just did it was a porcupine puffer fit i know Ooh. but now i've got more like it's the best day of the year 
Uh, there's a new baby prehensile-tailed porcupine at the National Zoo in D.C. Uh, its parents' names are Beatrix and Quilber. And he's a little boy porcupine, and his name is Fofo. That's adorable. I love him. It's really cute. And so if you ever need to pick me up, just search Fofo the porcupine. He's very small. His quills are still all soft because he hasn't hardened yet. Isn't he just so, like... Oh, little nug. And apparently Popo means, or Fofo means cute in English. Or in, so oh my cute. gosh, in Portuguese. Help. Was help? Yeah, oh my God, he's cute. so cute. I he's love him. so cute. So and if fluffy. anybody from the National Zoo is listening and would like to um, maybe <laughs> hook me up. Are you guys seeing all these pictures of him and his mom? Yeah, they're real cute. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. It's it's very good. Anyway, all right. Um, is that all you got, Abby? That's that's all time. my zoo news. All so right. it's time for Maluka news, the best news, except for the porcupine <laughs> fish, which I think might take the cake today. <sighs> that's true. Um, there just hasn't been a lot of exciting beluga news lately, but it's been winter, so like obviously there's not a lot of like active things happening with them because they're too busy, you know, hiding under the ice up in the Arctic. Um, but there are a few things, so. This article surfaces, I feel like, every year. Um, but so in 2016, there was a lost narwhal that joined a beluga group, um, which is great. Um, but they found him again this year. That narwhal is still with these belugas. This was in 2016 that they first see- wow. saw them together. So this is now, what, six years later, and the um, narwhal He's is just still one of the there. Fam. Yeah. One of the bros. Yeah, which is great. Um, and then the last thing uh, is that it is now almost springtime officially, um, which means the Cook Inlet Belugas are back. Um, they went out in the winter to forage for food, and now they're back for the nice springtime to have their babies. So I'm sure there will be lots of news coming out about them soon. Um, and now it's time for the episode you've all been waiting for. <laughs> Weird poops. thought. Uh, what the heck are we gonna put as the photo for this Instagram? <laughs> you know, oh, oh I have God. the perfect one. I have well, the perfect one. It's the I, sperm whale poop nato. Um, oh, I Lord. also have. So when I was in Africa, um, we saw a lot of animal poop, right? Yeah. And I thought it would be really funny to take a lot of really aesthetically pleasing pictures of the animal poop that I wow. found. And you so really knew when that was gonna come in handy. Well, I was gonna make a calendar. Are of it because i have enough um but i literally have there's an album on facebook i'll send it to you guys oh my god are you you looking at my facebook no why haven't you made the calendar i don't know why i haven't made this calendar yet but i will send you the link um you guys can look at my uh album on facebook it's called perfectly pungent oh my god i am on my way to look right now (laughs) And so I have these really, like, really beautiful pictures of all kinds of poop. Some of them are actually quite good. Thank you. I was really proud. <laughs> oh, this also reminds me. I, actually, I also uh, played Spore when I was in Botswana as well. What's that? You have to explain that one. It's a game made up by Afrikaans people where you literally spit kudu poop and whoever spits it the farthest wins. That's and so you good. did this. I you did this. Wow. I did this. Uh, low key, I think they were kind of wanting to see if the crazy white American girl would uh, partake. <laughs> well, but yeah. You know, 
speaking of poop. Yeah, maybe we should get into the actual we're basically, of admiring my Facebook pictures. I mean, we're basically going to just tell you guys everything you've ever wanted to know about animal poop. Specifically, though, like more of the weird, fun poop facts. Yeah, we won't bore you with how poop is made because that's... I think y'all know that. If you don't know, reevaluate. Um, so I'm starting us off with some poop stats. <laughs> uh, some of these are actual stats. Most of these are um, opinions, but that's okay. Um, we'll start with the biggest poop, and that would be the blue whale, which is a shock to absolutely nobody. They poop 200 liters of poop per dump which is 53 gallons that's a lot of poop it's a lot of poop apparently it smells like dog poop but has the consistency of breadcrumbs that makes me want to throw up it's not great yeah i don't like that you specifically said has the consistency of breadcrumbs that was from an article so i did not make that up well they Um, needed to reevaluate that comparison (laughs) i listen i'm just reporting on the facts here um also, to compare that, elephants only poop 20 liters per dump. So this is 10 times that. It's a lot of poop. It's a lot of poop. <laughs> um, now, here's where we come into what I'm sure are going to be the best anecdotes of the episode. Oh, wait. Quick um, about elephant poop. Yeah. Elephant poop is really frequently at zoos used for uh, fertilization and composting for growing plants to feed the elephants and many other animals. Oh, my gosh. Recycling. Yeah, it's just a little fun thing that that is super, super common with elephant um, dung is you, you re- recycle it into fertilizer and uh, elephants, you know, they need to eat a lot to produce uh, 20 liters. So. I was gonna say, do you think it might have to do with the fact that they produce more poop than any of the other animals at the zoo? Yeah, yeah, we don't really use anyone else. <laughs> I think maybe also rhino can also be used, but um, it's really just the elephant, yeah. Disgusting. But anyway, continue. Um, yeah, this is going to be where the anecdotes come in um, of the smelliest poop. Oh, Lord. So, according to David Attenborough, lions and badgers have the stinkiest poops. Because they, I think because they're carnivores, probably. Um, yeah. I found a statistic that says you can smell lion poop from a thousand meters, which is over half a mile away. That is crazy. Isn't that insane? That's how stinky um, poop. Yeah, I do believe it. Carnivore, in general, carnivore poop tends to be just vile. Yeah. Um, because of what they're eating and digesting. Like, it makes sense. I mean, scientists at the Atlanta Zoo argue that rhinos and tigers have the stinkiest poop. And apparently pandas have the least stinky poop. So there's one useful that thing about so pandas. Because they just eat freaking bamboo. So it it just comes they're... out the way it goes in. We talked yeah, about this. If you want to hear more about say... that. Most herbivore poop does not smell too terrible because, again, they're just eating, like, grass and stuff. However. I was going to say, another animal that apparently has really bad poop is called a zorilla, which I didn't know was an animal until today. Which are little animals that live in Africa, and they literally expel liquid from their anal glands to ward off predators. What the heck does a zorilla? I'm just, like, picturing a a a mini gorilla. Oh! Oh, It's cute! It's very cute! spotted skunk. But, But they're very... Stinky, apparently. Stinky? So maybe I mean, they do it is like a, a skunk. skunk. It's a type of skunk. 
Oh, there well, hey go. there. Another so common, exactly like a, a common name for it is African skunk. Well, there we go. So I did that not go sense. too much farther than they have stinky poops and expel liquid out of their anal glands. Um, <laughs> you know, niche topics. But Katie, well, as yeah. the zookeeper, I have smelled a lot of poop in my day. Who has the smelliest poop? I'm. I think I'm caught between two because you brought up the one earlier that I absolutely think is pretty nasty. Um, one that I did not expect to be my least favorite animal to clean up after because it smells so bad is actually echidnas. Really? Uh, yeah. I I cannot tell you why. Like, they don't even, like, maybe, like, they produce a pile of poop no larger than, like, the size of your hand every day. Um, they usually go overnight because that's when they're active and then you find it in the morning. And it worse. smells so bad. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't describe it. It just is, it's not my, it's my least favorite smell <laughs> out there. And it's not an animal I expected. They're insectivores. They eat insects. So, like, yeah, I guess technically carnivores, but it's, you know, not like what other carnivores are eating. So, it just is unexpected and weird. And maybe I'm the only zookeeper that feels this way, but that's how I feel. So Aside think- from that, it's snakes. Um, so my snake poop story. <laughs> I used to take care of, uh, I've taken care of several snakes, but um, a California king snake. And his name was King Henry, and he was perfect. Um, he was very old. He was in his 20s. And he was so, like, docile that you could take him out of his enclosure and you would, like, take him around and show the kids and stuff. You could also take him outside. And you could, like, let him slither around and- grass like we would take him on walks which is Mm -hmm. amazing that's incredible Um, but he was like trained and he would only poop out in the grass which was great because it meant i never had to clean his stinky poops out of his enclosure so good on you king henry (laughs) well this is a good segue to to the messiest poops yeah who's on the list uh well number one i think is hippos Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because hippos do what's called a dung shower. Mm-hmm. So they literally like flip their tail around in a circle as they poop. And it's partial to mark their territory, um, but it stinks and it gets literally everywhere. So Dang. I would call it the messiest poop. Um, but Katie, being the primate gal, has also pointed out that they like to paint with it. They literally <laughs> make art. Uh, capuchins, uh, chimps, you know, they'll all, gorillas, they'll all do it. They'll all make little art with their poop. So that's kind of a mess to clean up when you got to clean it up. I'm just saying. It's enrichment, Katie. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can do paint sessions, guys. You don't have to not, do that's that. That's not as fun. It's <laughs> no, not the it's forbidden not. paint. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the way that we came up with this segment is because I have been saying this fact to anybody who will <laughs> listen to it for a really long time since I read it on a Snapple cap. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, that's where you first yeah. saw it? Yes. That, that makes it so much better. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Um, elephants poop at a rate of six centimeters per second. Oh my gosh. So that's a lot. Um, so then I, I, I kind of went down a rabbit hole here because there was a study that was literally done about 
animal poop speed. Um, there's a myth out there that all mammals take 12 seconds to poop. I don't know why that's a myth, but it is. Um, yeah, who and- the heck was like, Hey I guys, it was... like, did you know that it takes mammals 11 seconds to poop? And then well, someone's like, like, whoa, there's scientific what? papers about it. There oh. are, but recently that was disproved. They did a study at Zoo Atlanta. Um, and what they found is about 66% of animals take between 5 and 19 seconds to poop. And I guess 12 is <laughs> kind of in the middle, right? So they're like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's so weird. But then it gets crazier, okay? So. The bigger the animal is, they tend to poop at a higher speed. So we can probably say elephants are probably the fastest land poopers. They got a lot to get out. They got a lot to get out. But not only that. (laughs) So bigger animals apparently have mucus lining in their large intestine that allows the animals to poop quickly. What the fuck? And the mucus (laughs) is a hundred times less viscous than the poop itself. And it, like, evaporates almost immediately, so they didn't really know about it until they, like, really dove in there. <laughs> um, wow. So here's a quote from th- – this was published in Men's Health Magazine. And I want to know why we can't have these articles in the Women's Health Magazine, because this is really interesting to me. Who knows? Either way, this is what they said. This is a quote. The answer we found was in the properties of an ultra-thin layer of mucus lining the walls of the large intestine. The mucus layer is as thin as a human hair, so thin that we could measure it only by weighing feces as the mucus evaporated. How do they do that? I have no idea. This was in Men's Health, so it wasn't the most scientific of articles. Elephant's booty hole. Uh, despite being thin, the mucus is very slippery, more than a hundred times less viscous than feces. During defecation, feces moves like a solid plug. Therefore, in ideal conditions, the combined length and diameter of feces is simply determined by the shape of one's rectum and large intestine. One of the biggest findings of our study was that the feces extended halfway up the length of the colon from the rectum. What? Who in, like, Men's Health Magazine was like, guys, I have a great idea for an article that we should run. I think it's I need about... to go work for Men's Health Magazine. <laughs> I think oh I'd get along gosh. with them there. Yeah. Well, that was fascinating, Abby. And thank you again for sharing <laughs> that. That all started from a Snapple bottle cap. Snapple, sponsor us. Now we're going to move on to some useful poops is the title of the next chapter. I was trying to figure out how this was going to work. And you can't talk about useful poops without bringing some birds into it. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. Uh, We're going to talk about penguin poops. Yeah. Tell us. Uh, So African penguins are super well known for their poop uh, because they make their nests out of it. Yeah. Um, it's one of the best fertilizers in the world. Comfy. So, I listen. <laughs> it's not my imagine being tea. a little baby bird, you just hatching out of the nest for the first time. It's your first day on Earth, and you're just like, <laughs> stinks. <laughs> this is gross. Welcome to life. Well, here's here's the thing. So, it's one of the best fertilizers in the world. It's really good at growing plants. I'm sure Kenzie will talk about fertilizer poop later. Um, but the problem is because it was so good at that, 
a lot of people would just go and harvest the poop off the beach. And then the penguins wouldn't Whoa. have enough poop buildup to make their nests. This is where we have to put our eggs. Right. They're like, hi, I need that. That's my house. <laughs> um, and so now there are studies. Um, there's a really cool organization called Sandcob in Africa, which helps with penguins and other um, South African birds um, that are like coastal birds. And they have these little houses they put out that help make a base for the poop. And then the penguins poop on top of it and it works the same. Um, and then there's also now boardwalks when you're going on the penguin beach so that you don't step on the poop so they can use it for their nests. Um, That's brilliant. So brilliant. Um, and the reason this works, and I'm sure anybody who's worked with penguins knows, penguins projectile oh, poop God. about every eight minutes. That's so like my poop. favorite thing to tell guests on the well, penguin tour that I used to do. One home. Yep. That yep. would be my first fact I'd lay on them. I was like, well, penguins sure do poop every eight minutes. So, no, you don't. Whenever we did a penguin encounter um, at my old facility, the, it'd always be with preschoolers. And the <gasps> penguin would always poop because, like, the encounter is oh, longer than eight minutes. And they would giggle every time. So we, It was their favorite thing. I have a story about the penguin uh, encounter. I would also <laughs> facilitate. Um, so there was, like, this little pedestal. So the keeper would bring, like, a couple of the penguins that wanted to participate. So they, they had the choice to come on over. And some of them would always, like, you know, come on over uh, and come into the little area. They didn't even get snacks. They just liked it, was, it. Okay. Yeah, we were just, like, in the habitat, like, in this one area that had a, like, barrier, basically. And the keeper would just kind of, like, open it up. And the penguins would just, some of them would be like, ah, cool. And, like, waddle in and hang out. So whoever wanted to hang out would hang out with the guests. But there was a pedestal that they had. And the keeper would put a little, usually it was a rock hopper, um, up on the pedestal for photos. So it would just, like, hang out there. The keeper had it up on the pedestal. The family would come around them, and they'd take a nice photo. That way the penguin was, like, up a little higher in the picture. It just looked nicer. Um, and I had this this family once, and this little kid standing next to the penguin on the pedestal oh no <laughs> the penguin just pooped all over like just shot onto the center of his shirt oh, like no. direct shot this kid is like yeah it's my birthday like Ooh. i wanted to meet a penguin this is a great day and then just that Rip. penguin was like we're gonna change that and just <laughs> direct shot <laughs> target hit i swear whenever i work in the aviary the birds have such good aim they do they and always you tell get the people like that, when they bring you know, their like cups of like drink in i'm like you're gonna want to put your hand on top of that and they're like why i'm like the birds have really good aim and you do not want that protein shot in your drink <laughs> Ew. oh my it gosh. works every time that's I will, a good protein shot i love it. it i will say this little kid was a champ um he was like it was like his sweatshirt so he took the sweatshirt off and the, you know we were all like oh like let's like at least go wash that for you a little bit like can we get you a new sweatshirt and the the kid was like ah oh, it's a free souvenir for the time oh! I met the penguin oh! and I was like okay you have literally any other guests would have been like I demand like five shirts and like reimbursement for my trauma and like this kid was like sweet souvenir amazing kids are the oh, best yeah, it was pretty funny. That's why I like kids, is because they're like, poop is cool. And like, we all have the poop phase. I have re-entered my poop phase. Oh my god. I, I um, don't know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> all right. 
Fair enough. Um, so besides African penguins, scientists literally study how massive amounts of guano are produced by penguin colonies that affect Antarctic soils. So down in the Southern hemisphere, um, others are identifying tracking penguins colonies by using satellites to detect changing colors of guano stains because penguin poops and is, is visible from space. Yeah. There's yeah. so many penguins in, in, in Antarctica, blah, 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 um, that they can track the movements of the penguins based on the guano as well. Incredible. Uh, which is just wild to me. Cool. Now, if that wasn't gross enough for you, um, <laughs> this whole if this whole episode hasn't if you are still tuned in, congratulations. <laughs> we're not we're like not even halfway through. No, we sure aren't. Welcome to our extra long episode. Um, this will be quick. So, some birds, especially vultures and wood storks, will actually poop on their legs to cool off. It is called urohydrosis. Um, and usually you can tell if a bird does this because their legs will appear black until they get in the water and then you'll realize they have pink legs. So yep. you're welcome. Yep. There Surprise. were so many wood storks, also uh, wild ones at my facility. They would hang out by the sea lions and people would always see them do that. And I would explain and they'd be like, well, that bird is pooping on itself. And I'd be like, it sure is because it's hot out. <laughs> it's just trying to cool off sorry same breath nature is amazing well let's talk about poop that gets cleaner yes this is my favorite thing okay so let me tell you all about one of the best little inverts in the whole wide world and that is sea cucumbers um sea cucumbers <laughs> they look like a regular cucumber except they are an animal i don't know we um, got one at our facility called the donkey dung sea cucumber and it sure does look like a donkey dung they're just perfect. Um, but they are related to like sea urchins and sea stars. So they have these little feetsies that they can walk around on. Um, it's very cute when they're like up on the like glass of the aquarium because you can see the little feetsies moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are detritivores, which means they eat the things that everybody else poops out um, or they eat dead things and things like that. So what they're doing is they're wandering around in the sand and they have these cute little um, oral tentacles that stick out of their mouth and they kind of sweep around. Um, looking for all of that organic matter in the sand. Um, so they're like cruising around, moving their little tentacles around. Um, and when they find something they like, they bring it up to their mouth and they put it in and then they digest it. Okay. Um, now, the best part is that they're like sucking off all of this organic matter from the sand and they end up eating a lot of the sand. So they don't want to digest the sand. So what they do is once they've cleaned it all off, they've gotten all that organic matter off. They poop it out in these cute little pearls. It literally looks like a string of pearls. They do. Um, but it's clean sand, which is just amazing. You can always tell exactly where they've been because they just leave a trail. <laughs> they do. <laughs> it's so good. It's like a little it's pile. So yes. Oh, my God. I, it's my favorite thing in the world to talk about because they're just so cute. Um, and then another fun um, animal that makes um, some clean sand out of its booty is actually parrotfish. Um, parrotfish, they are eating algae off of coral rocks. Um, they're also eating the seagrass off of those coral and rocks. Um, but they have those, if you've never seen parrotfish teeth, do yourself a favor and Google them right now. Um, but they have these big, scary looking teeth, um, mm-hmm. which Terrifying. end up taking a lot of bites out of the rock and the, um, coral and stuff like that. And divers booties. True. Um, but they, <laughs> again, they can't digest the coral like skeleton or the rock. So they end up excreting it um, as sand, um, and they actually produce a huge amount of sand. If you've been to a tropical beach, you have laid in parrotfish sand. Um, they 
a single parafish can produce up to 2,000 pounds of sand every year, which Whoa. is insane. That's almost um, as much as a, as a blue whale poops. That's true. Um, but they, so they're really important to the ecosystem. Um, in some places, um, like in the Bahamas, a lot of times parrotfish are um, fished for food, but they're very important to the ecosystem. So save the parafish, save the beaches. It's all together. They're also super ominous. Um, they because are. when you're diving, you just hear this crunch, crunch yes. noise. And you're like, what is that weird, ominous crunching noise? And the joke's on you. It's a parrotfish literally chomping through a rock. And it's kind of terrifying. They're kind of scary looking if you get up close. It's like when you look at a butterfly up close. You're like, this isn't as cute as I thought it was going to be. Forever scarred by that one SpongeBob episode. No, no one. I got you. I got you. Okay, thank you. I didn't have cable when I was growing up, okay? I didn't watch SpongeBob. Basically, there's a butterfly and they do an extreme close-up on it and it Wormy. Yeah, wow. I'm just yeah. (laughs) That's a good episode. All right. Uh fertilizer poop, Kenzie. Yeah. So we've talked about clean poop, we've talked about gross poop, we've talked about smelly poop. But have you heard about useful poop? Well, here it goes fertilizer poops. If there's one utility poop is known for worldwide, it's fertilizer. A fertilizer, <laughs> as you audience members know, it helps plants to grow by providing extra nutrition like nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus. However, not every kind of feces meets the right conditions to become fertilizer, especially if its intended use is for food crops. Uh, so if you happen to be a gardener and you like to use fertilizer on your garden, Usually it's recommended that you try and do a test on your soil. You can usually order these online, or if you have access, you can actually reach an agriculture extension agent. Uh, Because what you want to do is you kind of want to see what the microbial activity in the soil is, because sometimes that may be better or worse, depending on the type of fertilizer that you use on the plants. But really common fertilizer sources is poultry, horse, sheep, rabbit, and cow. Uh, these are very common because there's just a high availability and access to them. Oh my but God. did you know that bat poop can also be used as fertilizer? Isn't it one of the best fertilizers in the world? It is one of the best fertilizers. So bat poop is referred to as guano, but guano can actually also refer to uh, seabird droppings as well. That's now, what they the call word- African penguin poop, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, guano actually, fun little etymology lesson for you guys. Uh, came around 1600 from the Spanish word guano, meaning dung fertilizing excrement. But that was developed from a Quechua or Incan language that pronounced it originally Juano, and it just kind of got mixed in versus Spanish colonized South America. Um, But yeah, it's one of the best fertilizers you can use. However, there are some potential disease risks if it's not treated right or if uh, you're in a large amount of it because it can spread halosoprosis, halosoprosis. Anyways, it just causes respiratory issues if you breathe too much of it in. Well, I mean, I took parasitology in college. There's a reason that you should not go touch wild animals because they're carrying tons of parasites. It's usually spread through the poop and Mm -hmm. the parasites making it due to digestive system is usually because you touched poop by accident. So it's... We didn't go there. You're welcome. Um, but it's disgusting. Yeah, don't touch poop if you don't have the proper PPE for it. Kenzie, um, 
I see that there is more fun poop facts you've got for us regarding uh, coffee. Yes, I do. So have you guys ever thought your coffee tasted like beep? Yes. Uh, yeah. No, because I don't <laughs> like coffee. That, that's so okay. I guess I like the answer is actually yes, because I don't like coffee. <laughs> well, how about this? What if your coffee actually was made from poop? That's right. You heard me, listeners. Coffee made from poop. Some of you guys may have already heard of this, though. So uh, but there is coffee made from civet poop. So in Sumatra and in Indonesia, there's actually a unique brand of coffee known as Kopi Luwak. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I apologize, but it's made from the droppings of civets. Now, civets are a unique class of animal native to Southeast Asia. They are all yeah, really- what? Yeah, they're really cute. They're often- yeah, they're super cute, and they're often no, just- I know, but like- why? A cross between a raccoon because and a they can, Katie. Yeah, apparently it's something to do with the taste of the coffee, uh, because the enzymes in the civet's digestive system is supposed to help ferment the coffee beans, what? which they usually feed are arabica beans. And so after expelling the beans from the system, the droppings are harvested and like dried off in the sun, cleaned off, and then you brew coffee into it. Um, Isn't it like super expensive too? Yeah, it's at like $650 per pound of coffee. Uh, The way it's harvested has sometimes come under controversy because there are civet farms, uh, but Mm. it can also be obtained via foraging of wild or like free roaming civets. But I imagine that's probably a little bit hard to do because you actually have to go out into the environment and like look for these little poops and pick them up and identify them and then collect enough to bring it back to harvest. Mm. Well, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, not my cup of tea, or rather my cup of Joe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> we had to have a Kenzie pun in here somewhere. We had to have it. Uh, but I did see that Reese's macaques in India, you can actually uh, use their poops to produce coffee as well. And even elephant poop. Oh, um, there yeah. is a gin made out of elephant poop. No. Uh, mm. Yes. So, okay. Let me look it up because... We talked about this at work. Um, don't ask why. Um, you can cut all of this dead space out. Yep. Ellie's going to perfect go insane. Okay. So, Ellie. Sorry. Hold it's on. Okay. She's still going. I can see it in her heart. <laughs> hey. Hey, you. Ma'am. Nope. Okay. 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 She's very tough, can't you tell? The toughest. Just so scary, so boofy. Hey! Hey, you. She's like, I don't care, Mom. I don't care. I just want to bark. Magnolia heard Ellie barking and she's looking very concerned. Ellie. <laughs> hey, I'm recording a podcast here. Can't you, like, be considerate of those around you? She's, She's gonna keep working. I can see her eyes. There it is. Where's David? He's upstairs. He's working still. Oh well. Hey, come here. Okay, there we go. Okay. Oh my I god, Tyler just Ellie. appeared behind me. You may you may go on about okay. uh, elephant poop gin. So there's a gin called Indlovu, I N D L O O V U, and they literally <gasps> go. There's a reserve. In Africa, and they pick up the elephant poop, 
separate the poop particles from the botanicals and then make it into gin. But yeah, so every batch of gin is a different flavor because the elephants eat different things. So you get a unique flavor every gin. Yeah, is the flavor yeah, poop flavor. Poop? <laughs> no, it says, okay, I asked, it says in the article, doesn't it taste like poop? And it says it's got an earthy, grassy type flavor. Oh, yes. But in Africa, that's significant yeah. because gin and tonic is a traditional sundowner. And it's supposed to be um, like a malaria prevention type thing. And 10% of the profits from the gin go back to the elephant sanctuary. Wow. So okay. it's not, if, if I got it and gave it to you and didn't tell you, you wouldn't know. But you know, now now that you gave me the name of it, now we can look out. Well, (laughs) I probably also would not be able to keep my mouth shut. I'd be like, it's elephant poop gin. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, coffee, if that's your thing, or you can have a sundowner with elephant poop. Thank you. You guys are not as excited about this as I am. (laughs) I'm trying to find out how much it costs. It's $50 a bottle. All right, there we go. So what's next on our poop to-do list here? Wow, I'm so glad you asked. Our shit list, you might say. Oh my gosh. Uh, Have any of you ever heard of a poop tornado? I'm afraid. (laughs) Um, But yeah, have you ever heard of a poop tornado? Because, boy, have I got a story for you. Um, Mm. When I was doing a research project in undergrad about um, how to teach people about whales, um, I was trying to figure out ways to tell people that whales are important and why they're important to the earth. Um, and one of the way- reasons that whales are important is because they produce so much poop. Like the sheer volume of their poop is impactful enough on the environment um, that it like literally affects like the ocean like uh, chemicals, which is crazy. Um, but the reason that poop natos come into it is because sperm whales, they come up to the surface to poop. So if you know anything about sperm whales, it's that they dive really, really deeply um, to eat things like squid and things off the bottom. Um, but then they come all the way up to the surface to poop. And we don't really know why they come up to the surface to poop, but we just know that they do. Um, <laughs> well, we they figure know. they might do a one-stop shop with the breathing and the pooping at the same time. That's fair. Um, but something interesting that people have found is that if you um, scuba dive in or you jump in the water where uh, sperm whales happen to be, which I would not recommend as it is illegal, um, but... <laughs> It happens. Um, they will generally poop on you because they're afraid of you. So they poop on you um, to like hide themselves like a smoke screen, oh but a poop screen, um, which is just delightful. Can you? Imagine but as I mentioned it- before, um, their poop because it is so nice. Clear your mask right at that moment. That, that would just be unfortunate. I think I would just give up at that point. <laughs> um, but their poop is so full of nitrogen, like other animals' poop, um, just like fertilizers. And it does float, um, which is different than fish poop. So fish poop sinks. And the phenomenon of fish poop sinking in the ocean is actually called marine snow, which is very fun. Oh, um, my God. It's just poop. Um, and then, I did not know that's what that was. Yeah. Marine snow is fish poop. Oh, good. That. It's also dead animals, but mostly um, fish poop. Oh, well, just in case. Lovely. Poop and dead things. Delightful. Um, And then, so all of that fish poop, which is nitrogenous waste, is sinking to the bottom. And whales are eating animals that live on the bottom and eat that stuff. And then they bring the nitrogen back up to the surface by pooping. 
So their process of bringing the poop up to the surface and bringing all that nitrogen with them is called the whale pump. So you have marine snow on one side, a whale pump on the other. It makes a big cycle. It's a nutrient cycle. Wow. I love that. Whales, you're just doing it great. Um, I'm okay with living on land. Well, maybe, I mean, you can either, I mean, you probably don't want to be part of a whale pump or a marine snow. So no, I guess. Um, but something cool is that um, because whales are so important and they do produce so much um, like waste um, that it is so impactful to the nutrient cycle, um, whaling actually like really impacted the ocean's ability to store carbon um, because there were no whales, so they weren't pooping, so on and so forth. So just another reason to not murder whales. Not that we need it anymore, but another great reason. Um, any questions about poop natos before we move on, kids? I'm no. okay. I've right. learned what I needed to learn. Good. Okay. Well, let me tell you a very fun giant clam poop fact, um, which we actually did cover in our giant clam episode. Um, if you haven't listened to that one yet, it is my favorite episode that we've ever done. So please go listen to it. Um, I don't know. The grass episode, dude. The grass episode was pretty great. You're right. But giant clam poops. So giant clams have symbiotic algae that live inside them and help them make food. And the algae lives inside their tissues. That's why they have to live in nice shallow water where they can catch the sunlight so their algae can make them food. But something fun is that these algae are so productive usually that the giant clam ends up pooping out um, excess live algae. Um, But if you put a healthy giant clam in a coral reef area that is like degraded, um, the corals and um, other giant clams around that healthy giant clam can actually intake the pooped algae um, and help themselves get better. So giant clams are just out here helping their buddies to get better by pooping. We doing God's work. Doing doing a, a heckin' miracle. Just giant clam things. Just giant clam things. Um, and then lastly, by special request, uh, I'm going to talk about animal poop. I feel like this one comes up like number one on every list, and that is wombat poops. So wombats are cute little marsupials that live in, of course, Australia. Um, they're very cute and they poop in cubes. And when I say cubes, I mean cubes. They poop in like little two by two centimeter cubes. Um, it's very weird looking. If you've ever seen a pile of that poop, you're like, who just pooped Legos? This doesn't make sense. (laughs) Um, but so we actually didn't know how they did it, um, because they have a round booty hole like everybody else. So that doesn't make any sense. Um, the square, there it goes in the circle hole. It literally. So they actually figured it out in 2018 and it's because their intestines are especially elastic in the like final area before it exits their body. Um, So they have like normal shaped poop up until that point and their intestines literally have like ridges in them um, that help shape the poop into these little cubes. But why Um, though? We don't really know exactly why. They do use them to communicate with each other like Hey, this is my territory. Hey, I live here. Yeah, sure. So, do, so like every other animal, they, they don't actually, have square poops. They stack their poops. Oh my god, so wombats really are playing are Minecraft. Legos. What? Minecraft. Real life wombats. Oh yes. Okay, I thought you said llamas, and I was like very confused. I like was like, what? That come llamas from? poop pellets. So that's a no. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's really all I have to say about wombats. Um, all right. so Katie, yeah, there were some poops that you really wanted to, to highlight yeah. here. Like wombats. There's just a couple more fun ones as well. Um, 
the next one would be the binturongs. Now, we've definitely talked about this before, but binturong poop smells like buttered popcorn. Uh, this is true. I have taken care of binturongs before. I can verify this fact. Uh, but the reason for it is as they travel, binturongs will rub a pungent substance produced in their scent glands, um, which are basically, you know, on their booties, uh, onto branches and foliage. Uh, and they use this odor to mark their territory as well as to attract mates. And the substance that they produce smells like buttered popcorn. So when they also poop, uh, they obviously get that uh, scent on it as well. So it's like, why? I don't know. Why not? Of the scents they could have gone with, it's a pretty great one as far as smells go. But it is really confusing when you're cleaning up binturong poop and you're like, hmm, why do I suddenly want popcorn? And it's a little off-putting after that. So well, that's your fun binturong poop fact. Uh, and uh, another one that I found in just looking for weird uh, ones was actually an orb weaver spider. Now, it doesn't have to do with the actual poop of the spider itself, but rather how they camouflage their webs. Uh, orb weavers often have the issue of trying to hide from predators while also trying to be flashy enough to lure in prey to their web. Uh, so there is actually an orb weaver species found in Taiwan called Cyclosa janaga, um, which is thought to use spiral patterns and bits of dead leaves to actually make spots on its web that look like bird poop to disguise oh. the web from predators or like to disguise the spider from predators. Yeah. If you look it up, it's pretty crazy. You can like Google orb weaver uh, spider bird poop and it'll come up. Uh, it's pretty crazy. That you know, and they there was a really cool study that like found that this uh, is a very likely theory. Uh, if you look at the pictures, it really does look like there's bird poop, and obviously a predator is going to be like, ah, it's bird poop. It's not a oh, spider. Oh, it totally I'm not does. Eat it. Yeah, so like pretty crazy. Uh, even you know, they adaptation. Even they kind of look like bird poop. Yeah, so that's part of it. Is they will sit in that spot to camouflage themselves. I yeah, I would not have guessed at all. Yeah so wild uh my last fun little poop fact is about of course the dung beetles themselves because how can we not talk about them but it's really the fact that dung beetles are secretly navigators of the stars uh this is still like the most mind-blowing thing i think i've ever heard uh is basically that when dung beetles go to a dung pile uh, they have to stake a claim to their piece of poop. They make it into a nice little sphere for transport. They have to fight off other dung beetles that are trying to steal their little piece of poop. And then they have to figure out the fastest way to roll their um, dung ball away from the dung pile to a safe spot to start consuming it. Now, in order to do this, apparently in order to find that fastest route out of there, they use the stars to navigate. This sounds like some Moana, for lack of a better term, shit. Um, but it is it's real. Uh, they specifically use the Milky Way uh, as a map that they researchers say, and I still really like can't find a better way of explaining this, that dung beetles take one snapshot of the constellation and that is sufficient enough for their navigation. I can't even remember what I ate for breakfast this morning. I, 
girl and this is a little dog beetle so i'm trying to find the like specific thing that so says I how they found about, this out i read about this recently um for some art i was doing and they brought them to a they brought some dung beetles to a planetarium in south africa mm-hmm. and they turned it off and the dung beetle did not know where to go when they turned on the projection of the Milky Way, the dung beetle would always go in a straight line. It's oh, that's crazy. Isn't that? It's crazy. Yeah. So they've literally like pretty much proven it. Yeah, and the whole purpose of it is so that they can get away from that dung pile as quickly as possible with their little dung ball. So like, who knew? Such a complex method. Got to push this poop out of here. Uh, I love it. Anyways, there's a pretty awesome TED talk about that if you do want to learn more about how exactly, um, you know, the science behind how they are using um, the Milky Way and, like Abby was saying, the methods that they've discovered this through. Definitely recommend that TED talk. And that uh, is my last fun, I guess, fact about animals pooping. But I do want to add in a little zoo note here why poop is so important in the zoo field um, for zookeepers, for veterinarians, all that jazz. Um, It's obviously so important when it comes to keeping track of an animal's health. Uh, Working with chimps and gorillas will actually score their poops. Um, Like, and that's (laughs) like the firmness of it uh, because that's a big indication of if, you know, say there was like diarrhea or something um, that there might be something wrong uh, health wise. But that being said, when you have a whole family of gorillas living together, how do you know whose poop is is who? I don't know, Katie, Uh, how? Well, I think it's pretty funny. So for our gorillas specifically, they actually get a little bit of oatmeal every morning, um, except we will use food dye uh, and dye the oatmeal for different gorillas. So like one of the gorillas gets oatmeal that has been dyed uh, green, for example, and we know that their poop is green in color. So that's how we know that it's from that gorilla. So if we ever needed a stool sample from them or we noticed like, hey, that one is really loose. Like who, whose was that? We know exactly whose it was. So uh, some other zoos I've heard of using like um, edible glitter uh, to know if like an animal's poop is, you know, whoever's so just fun little things like that in the zoo field that really make just the job worth doing, you know? <laughs> What'd you do this morning, Katie? I put I, glitter in yep, grill foods. So I some glitter. oatmeal. Yep, exactly. Well, good news is poop does not only have to be um, a potty thing. It can also be, uh, and this is a true story, your wedding thank you notes. So, Anybody who came to my wedding and they got a thank you note from us, you uh, now do have poop paper. Poo poo paper. Poo poo paper. So it's a company called Poo Poo Paper. I love them. There's several other companies too. Um, this one's my favorite because I think they have the coolest designs. But basically, they take paper from different kinds of animals, or they take poop from different kinds of animals, turn it into paper. So it's a really sustainable option because it uses no trees. So it's awesome. Um, you can also go and find like that elephant gin made out of poop too. So I guess for our conservation conversation, we're saying think of some ways that you can incorporate poop into your everyday life. Um, 
that are going to help the environment and be more sustainable. Anyone yeah. want to add anything? I mean, I love my uh, poo paper notebook that I have. It's from specifically Mr. Ellie Poo is oh, the, name of the, the name of the store. And they make these gorgeous notebooks that have like these beautiful designs on the front. They're made of poo-poo paper, so, um, you know, very sustainable and, and just really cool. They also have, um, they have notebooks and journals. They have Post-it notes. They have greeting cards. Uh, they have a lot of different things, actually. I have printer so. paper. Printer paper? That's crazy. So, check it out. Uh, there's also a website called Poo Poo Paper as well. So you got Mr. Ellie Poo, Poo Poo Paper. I'm sure there's others out there. A lot of zoo gift shops will have this. So yes, this is true. You too. will find plenty of places if you're an avid zoo goer. <laughs> um, for announcements, I don't really think we have any announcements this week. Um, other nope. than if you are a patron, the first bonus episode is available on our Patreon right now. We roast Finding Nemo. Um, it's, a, it's a fun time. For its accuracy. Yep. It's literally a presentation Emily made in college. So you should definitely check it out. Um, it's only not... been improved upon since. Yes, it's so good. Uh, if you're not a patron already, you can go to patreon.com slash conservation queens podcast to join us for just $5 a month. You can be a beluga babe and get access to bonus content and get a sticker in the mail, which is pretty sticker. cool. Please join us in the social media. If you don't want to be a patron, that's completely fine. We have Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can email us at conservationqueenspodcast at gmail.com. We also um, love it when you share our podcast with your friends and family. It's the best way to spread the word. And it's really how we've gotten so many listeners is by word of mouth. So we appreciate if you would just shout us out and share us. Uh, with that, thank you so much for joining us this week, everybody. Now go out there and stay sustainable. Bye. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,